Hello, it is Thursday, and that means bring it in with me, Gerard Hector and Coach David Thorpe. How are you, sir? It takes a little while to get the Thursday kind of out. <laughs> yeah, it's not smooth yet. <laughs> not smooth yet. <laughs> we did a lot of Fridays, my man. A ton of Fridays. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is Thursday, so we're, we're going to get into some things. And, of course, you know, the, the biggest news, Coach, is um, over this past weekend, Kevin Durant met with uh, Joe Sy, the Nets governor, in London and reiterated um, his trade demand, stating, either trade me or you get rid of Sean Marks, the GM, and Steve Nash, the head coach. Now, we're going to get into the particulars and like, you know, sort of like the in the weed stuff that every other podcast has done a little bit later in our discussion. But, you know, people come to True Hoop for different perspective on things. And I wanted to elevate this a little bit, Coach. And it tied into a piece that you published, uh, that you wrote, and it was published on our site yesterday um, called You Win or You or you Die. The NBA Shouldn't Be a Game of Thrones episode. And I thought so many things you put in that piece kind of relate to what's going on here. And I want to start here. You and I are not psychologists, psychiatrists, mental health professionals, or any of the above things, right? something you would probably say is we're just two dumb dudes who like basketball right like that's 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 what we do we like basketball but we read things and we observe and we have our opinions about things and you know something you said in your piece about even if you do get to do what you love which is for kevin kevin durant's case play basketball what you do which is teach the game of basketball which is what i do media voice work etc we still need to take time away to recharge and refresh because there's bigger things involved than just this one thing that we love. And it is my contention that I don't know that Kevin Durant has things that he loves away from the game that give him another sense of peace, purpose, something that he really strives and enjoys and looks forward to. And because of that, and that manic obsession and love for basketball is what makes him great. But it's the gift and the curse. It's also what creates that restless, wandering spirit and the constant changing. Well, if I go here, then I do this, then I do that. And it's like, my man, you need something else besides this job. Yeah. So, yeah. So, first of all, uh, I am not a psychologist, but I did get a degree in it. <laughs> and I have worked at mental hospitals. And I have, you know, coached countless players and, and mentored their parents as much as the players um, which only gives me, as I always say, I have experience in understanding how fragile the human mind is. That's about the extent of my knowledge of the industry and of, of the skill and craft of being a psychologist. Um, but, you know, it, you, you, you just mentioned something that made me think. Have you ever seen the movie As Good As It Gets? Mm -hmm. Jack Nicholson and mm -hmm. Helen Hunt. Uh, one of the things I took from that movie is, if you remember... He, he had become OCD. We don't know if he was that way growing up. There's no history. It's just a silly movie. But uh, I think it did win. He might have won an Oscar. There was some, someone won something in that. Maybe Helen Hunt won for Best Actress. But um, if you remember, you know, he had to lock the door three times mm -hmm. before he actually unlocked it, lock it three times. And he wouldn't step on cracks. He had all these, at the very least, you could say idiosyncrasies. Mm -hmm. But at w the end scene where he's holding her hand, he steps on cracks because he doesn't think of her anymore. Mm -hmm. And what I took from that is we can get so sheltered and so alone when we don't reach out that we develop really strange idiosyncrasies. Mm -hmm. Whereas uh, you, can't, you can't live a normal life 
the way I live my life and also have all these other issues. Right. It, it, life's too fast. Like you can't worry about cracks and locks. Mm -hmm. There's no time. Mm -hmm. You're too, we're too busy. We have, we can have other problems for sure. Um, so I think you're making an amazing point. I think that he's sheltered. He's almost like put himself in his own little box. Mm -hmm. There isn't anyone to break him out of it. Uh, that's, it's not to say, for example, people with children can't have issues. Of course they can. But it, it just manifests itself very often differently because there's no time to do it the way the single person who is alone mm -hmm. can do it. And yeah, he doesn't seem to have other interests. And in, like, I wanted to say, Kevin, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you yeah. doing? Yeah. You, you are revered mm -hmm. in a way that LeBron's not even revered. Like mm -hmm. there was a period of time not long ago where I don't think he had a single detractor other than, oh, you won two championships because you joined another great team. That was the worst thing you could say about him. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He didn't win the MVP, by the mm -hmm. way. He won finals MVPs. Mm -hmm. But his best season wasn't with those Warriors. Mm -hmm. It was with OKC. He, he had this sublime game, best ever at his size, the way he played, whatever. And I, as I said to you uh, in our document, I, I feel like he's going down a Tiger Woods road. Mm. At, now, Tiger had his own issues. Mm -hmm. uh, there was w whatever drugs he was using, including just mm -hmm. like anxiety issues or mm -hmm. sleeping pills, whatever. I don't know much about that world. And the accident and, uh, mm -hmm. and the affairs and whatever. All I know is there was a period of time where he was as respected and revered and admired as any athlete since like Ali. Mm -hmm. Maybe even more so because Ali had a bunch of racists hating mm -hmm. him. It almost seemed like Tiger had the racists like him. Like mm -hmm. he had everyone liking him. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and then he just went over the cliff and now he's recovering. And Kevin Durant had that same kind of like, it, you know, these guys aren't gods, but he was about as close as yeah. you could get to one. It just impervious. Mm -hmm. And now mm -hmm. we're seeing all these flaws and they're so needless. Yeah. They're just so needless. And, and I, help me if I help me, Gerard, I don't know the answer to this. Has Joe Sy said anything publicly in response yet? So Josai tweeted that the Brooklyn Nets coaching staff and front office have his support and that he's right, going to do whatever's in the best interest of the Brooklyn Nets. Um, now, you know, people can read into that what they want, right? Like, is, right. That a, is that a full support? Is that tacit support? Is that, well, doing what he has to say? I mean, I just, I, I want to stay on this, this theme, Coach, because this is an area that you know well because you... Not, I mean, now you coach professionals, but you mm -hmm. used to train your son yeah. is now 21, but younger kids. Right. Yeah. And yeah. I know you have tons of parents who come to you and ask you for advice. And I'm sure there are moments where you're like, you're nuts. No, this kid should not be specializing in playing this thing 24 right. seven. Let him do kid things like this is crazy. Right. And I just feel like this is the other side of that manic work ethic to be, quote unquote, the best. There's only 24 hours in a day. So if you train to be as Tiger Woods did, the best golfer of all time, blah, 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 all this stuff, it doesn't leave a lot of other room in your life for other growth in other areas. So you are stunted in these other areas. And then when there are situations where you're unhappy, where things aren't going the way you, you don't have the requisite resolution skills to manage the EQ, all the different things. Again, I'm not a psychologist, but this is just my observation of seeing you know, people who are so singularly and uniquely focused. Again, their gift and their curse. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for saying that. I, I did spend a lot of time, I do still spend a lot of time with young people. I had lunch uh, with an 18-year-old the other day, uh, high-level player, you know, hoping on scholarship somewhere next year. He's a senior in high school now. 
And one of the reasons why I agreed to have lunch with him, besides I love him and I love his family, is it keeps me young. I want to, you know, my, my kids are three years removed now from that. I want to still connect to these teenagers because in, in a year or two, we're going to be high school to NBA again. Mm-hmm. And I've got to be able to better figure out and analyze these 18-year-olds who are about to jump in the league without the one gap year in college or whatever. Um, I'm actually, I've, I've, for years, I've worked on a children's book to, to deal with these kinds of things. And I think I've just agreed with our editor, Travis, to, nice. to develop them. I've, I've had conversations actually with Netflix about it. Uh, I, did a, I did a series member of Mark Cuban's Fireside. Mm-hmm. I did like mm-hmm. six or seven episodes talking about this very thing. So yes, I've dealt with a lot of, <laughs> you put it so well. <laughs> it, it's, uh, I've had many conversations where I said to the parent, like, what are you talking about? How are you so convoluted in your thinking that you're willing to sacrifice your flesh and blood and, and make him go through pain so that what? He can maybe seen, be seen by a college coach that he, they right. could see him in two weeks too. Right. Like, right. But, and they're like, oh my God, what was I doing? They're just, they're out of their minds. But Kevin doesn't have that excuse. Mm-hmm. He's been doing this a while. You know, you, you know, I follow Hollywood closely in the sense mm-hmm. of the craft of it, not the, I don't know, I don't know who's dating anyone. Um, I follow the craft, and I, 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 I can appreciate the, the, um, how they advance. Mm-hmm. You know, for the, everyone is like Tom Hanks, pretty much a nobody. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I listened to Kevin Hart the other day, Jerry Seinfeld. These guys were working their asses off in clubs mm-hmm. till four in the morning for very little money. Food. Mm-hmm. A lot of them were just hoping to get food at night. Mm-hmm. There's famous place in the 70s in California uh, uh, comedy clubs that just fed you. Mm-hmm. And that was, you didn't, you didn't work that night. You didn't eat. So I love, I love, and then they become super famous and celebrities, whatever. Um, it, it's a lot of them are, none of them are perfect. You don't hear about a lot of their fuck ups because they're managed. Well, mm-hmm. that's why they have PR people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, I think NBA players could use that, <laughs> but it'd be easy to just consult with someone first. Kevin, this is not the time yeah. to make that demand. And that is not the demand to make. You can say, guys, I don't see a future here. You, I know you don't want me to finish my career winning 40 games a year. Sorry, it didn't work out. There's a way to handle it. Mm-hmm. But call it if indeed it's true. And I don't mm-hmm. know it's true. Right. But for, for the owner to write what he wrote, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I knew... Gerard, I knew that he had tweeted that. I, mm-hmm. I thought maybe there was something else I missed. No, I don't... yeah, just a tweet. Okay. So uh, I'm sure you feel the same way I do. We only know a little bit of what really happened. Right. But uh, Kevin, like, don't try to take someone's job. Mm-hmm. Don't try to. T- it's just not what yeah. you need to do right now or ever. And uh, you could, I, want, I want to say, Kevin, what's, what's the end result? Do you, are you going to be happier if right. you get traded to Philly or Toronto? But you just called for the firing of Marks and Duran, right? Uh, like and, you want that Nash, on yeah, your legacy? Yeah, yeah. They're gonna remember this shit, man. Yeah, it, 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 you know, to your point about PR and how mm-hmm. to handle this, there's a way to do it, you know. And now we can sort of get into the nitty gritties. And I will say, it was reported by Shams that this happened. Yeah. And as as it goes, as newsbreakers, like you know, this little inside NBA for those of you guys out there, we know this, right? The majority of Shams's sources are players and agents. Right. The majority of Woj's sources are GMs and front office types. Right. That's and you've got agents, too. But that's generally the breakdown. Right. So 
if Shams is reporting that that's what was said, I'm not going to bet 100%, but I'm 99.9% sure that's the situation that, that was said. And, and Sai coming out with that tweet more or less confirms it, right? Or else he wouldn't say anything, right? Okay. Now, let's get into the particulars. And this is something we, we talked about on the show, Coach. I was always amazed at the fact that Durant decided he was coming to Brooklyn without speaking to them or having any kind of meeting or discussion. I don't care who you are. You're not going to go take a job somewhere without ever talking to anybody who works there. That's just not, that's not the thing, right? Who your boss is going to be, right? Who the, it's not wise. It's not it, wise. It's just, most people don't do that, right? You're like, oh, let me go see, you know, kick some tires and have a couple conversations. No, hey, I'm coming here. This is great. And then that's, oh, this is awesome. Red flag number one, right? We didn't even <laughs> talk to this dude and he's here. And it's not because he's amazing. So I, I get it. Okay, two. First year you're rehabbing, they know that, all good. Kenny Atkinson, who everyone widely agrees is a good coach, helped develop a lot of players on that uh, on that team, the Dinwiddies, LaVerge, Jared Allens, et cetera. Jared Allen, by the way, who All-NBA, uh, All-Defense, I mean, you know, uh, someone that's could have definitely used these last two years. Um, the, he was a big uh, piece in developing those guys. You, Kevin Durant, and Kyrie Irving didn't want him there anymore. Okay, so you told Sean Marks, Sean, hey, you know, this is not our guy. We want to move him. Now, I don't think it's as simple as how it's being portrayed by a lot of people, Coach, which is Kevin and Kyrie say to Sean, and Sean just goes, okay, guys, whatever you want. All right? Like, there is definitely some pushback there. Like, I, no, like, this guy's done this for us. He's done that. Yeah, but we think, right? It's because Sean is not just going to let them do whatever. Yes, he may ultimately give the, give that to them, but... He doesn't just do it willy-nilly. All right, cool. Who do you guys think? We think Steve Nash would be great. All right. Uh, Steve's never coached before, right? The more of the pushback. Okay, we bring him on. This is the guy that you wanted here, right? You you two signed off on this. Now in year, in year three, you're like, no, Steve and Sean's got to go. And I get it because their they're thinking is, well, Sean's not our guy, right? They see Sean as the pushback guy, even though Sean has acquiesced to their every demand, right, at every turn including, mind you, bringing DeAndre Jordan aboard for four years and $40 million, which was a colossal waste of money. And that dude's not even in the league anymore. And so, you know, that in of itself just makes this such a poor look for him because the franchise acquiesced to you at every turn or at a minimum, you had to okay all the things they did, the hard and signing, gutting all the assets, all those things. And now you are saying to them, yeah, this place isn't good enough to win. Well, these decisions were largely made with your okay. This reflects poorly on you. I think there's a, a bigger, uh, th there might be a lesson learned. There should be a lesson learned here. Uh, and that is it, a GM should stop letting the player dictate policy. Correct. They should have stopped. I know why they don't because they feel like, well, there's only 30 of these jobs mm -hmm. and I'll lose my job if mm -hmm. I, but you're going to lose it anyway. <laughs> right. You know, I mean, the, the, it's fair to say that Durant actually makes that three-pointer against Milwaukee. They're probably winning the championship. They, if Milwaukee was the best team, well, then Brooklyn might have been the best team because they really mm -hmm. kind of should have beat them. Mm -hmm. They certainly were even the whole way. A seven-game mm -hmm. series decided by one mm -hmm. centimeter tells you a lot. Um, but, it did, but you could see... It just was always going to kind of be this way. Mm -hmm. And it's because it's, it's, there's a fundamental flaw. 
there's a fundamental flaw. And I don't, I don't feel like um, it's not the same as LeBron because it's LeBron's agency. Mm-hmm. And they did win a championship for mm-hmm. sure. Uh, it's a different situation for a few different reasons. I think that owners should learn a lesson on you'd rather just pass on the, on the all-time talent. First of all, it doesn't matter that he's an all-time talent. What matters is what he's going to be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So get the, get the Luka Doncic different story. He's mm-hmm. still ascending. Mm-hmm. Durant, at best, was going to level out and mm-hmm. then start going down. I, I think between ownership and management, I, I want players to be empowered. But as you use the right term, there needs to be pushback. It's better for the player. Mm-hmm. These, they, they are the world's best players. It, it, is, it is arrogant to think that they can be the world's best at something else, too. I'm not a religious guy, but what, how is that fair? You know what I mean? They get, they get to be the world's best player and the best game manager too. Come on. What is that? How is that fair? Um, no, they, they, that's not the best way to make sausage. If you, you give them a voice, I'm all for yeah, giving them a voice. Of course. Then, then that's, then they are incumbent. It is incumbent upon them then to ha- learn how to be a partner, how to be a team player that way. And Durant's case, on the court, oh, he knows how to be a team player. Mm-hmm. It's hard. I don't remember ever watching a game in his career, and I've watched hundreds, where I thought, ooh, that was selfish. Mm-hmm. He doesn't, mm-hmm. he doesn't, no, he doesn't he's not a way. selfish player. He doesn't play that way. No. So, so, Kevin, be the same guy off the court. And it's funny, too. Um, uh, you have a significant other. I mm-hmm. obviously have been married freaking over three decades. Uh, it teaches us how to be better partners. If we're lucky, if we're lucky, uh, I think my wife would say I've made her a better person. I certainly know she's made me a better person. Mm-hmm. You learn. And so you wonder with Durant, when you're surrounded by sycophants, and, I, and there's nothing wrong with surrounding yourself with people you grew up with because you trust them. I'm not mm-hmm. criticizing that. I am criticizing the, the, the lack of ability to find people that will challenge you. Mm-hmm. If, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I can't speak for Durant. Right. But I can guess. That people aren't saying, Kevin, shut up. Stop. <laughs> this is not the time. You, if you ever want to call for Nash's head or Marx's head, this isn't the time for that. We haven't played a game. We're one season removed from having the best offense of all time. Mm-hmm. Now, you could argue that it's because you had Harden and Kyrie, too, that anyone could have done it. But the, the results are the results. And it's not like you guys played 82 games together. Right. You still the best offense of all time. You still took the, the world champions to win one centimeter of beating them. He suddenly forgot how to coach. Right. And didn't you used to back him? It's like Donald Trump trashes everyone <laughs> that he appointed. That just gives you no credibility. How could right. anyone ever think you know what you're doing when you right. keep trashing the same people you initially admired, respected, and gave the job to? You right. picked this team with these guys. So, w- so you've lost your credibility now. Yeah. That's on them. Yeah. And it's interesting, this ties into an area that Henry often talks about, which is this idea of trust, right? Yeah. And again, if he never met with them to, to begin with, how the hell did they build a relationship? How do they start to build and establish trust? You just signed there. There, there was no conversation, no discussion. You just told them, yeah, I'm coming here with Kyrie. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hey, my man, can we go on a date first? Like, let's go out. Let's get to know each other a little bit. No, hey. we... <laughs> and it just, I want to further your point. And it wasn't because they were the only ones offering. Right. 
It's because I, I get it. Someone offers you, you know, the bag. Right. And everyone else is offering you half a bag, a right. quarter of a bag. Take the bag. Figure it everyone out Everyone was offering you the bag. Right. 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 So go, go on. So, yeah. yeah. The, so the beginning was already messed up. Exactly. And so now, you know, you, you, you go there. And again, within year, we, we heard Jackie McMullen piece to this. This wasn't Durant. This was Kyrie. Within, they're not even officially signed yet because it was the summertime. And they were playing pickup ball. Before even an official team practice, Kyrie's already bucking back at the Nets' uh, physical development and training staff about wearing the wearables and tracking things. Before he even sets foot, it's like alarm bells had to have been flaring at that point. Like, what did we get ourselves into? And I get it. You want to be relevant. It's in, you're in New York. The Knicks always seem to grab all the back page headlines that you're like, come on, we got the better facility, this, that, and the third. Okay, well, you got the drama now and you you dominated the back pages, but still, has it done anything for the franchise? And I kind of liked that Mark's inside this offseason were like, no, man, we got to get back control of our franchise. We want right. guys that want to. And the first sign where you sent, where you sense the trouble potentially brewing with KD was when they were like, Kyrie extension? Absolutely not. Right? right. That, they were like, no, we don't, we're not doing that. And that was the first sign. Oh, wait a minute. It's us against them. And it's to your point about KD and the selfish and not being a selfish player, but sort of being the reverse or, or taking this hard line stance as a manager, owner, whatever. The trust isn't established. Right. There isn't that way in which he believes in Sean and Joe to do the right job. Right. Like, why go straight to Joe? Like, why not talk to Sean about that? That tells me there's no relationship there, right? Like, because Sean's the GM. He effectively, yes, I know Joe's the boss and signs the checks. Right. But he, Joe was, the, uh, Sean is the basketball man, right? He is the, he is the general manager. So if you don't talk to him, that tells me, what is your relationship like? Can't be very good if, you, if, you won't, if you're going straight to Joe's side over Sean's head, right? It's just from an org chart hierarchy in a business, that's all of these are just signs that that is a dysfunctional situation. And the dysfunction is, is built around a lack of trust on all sides. And you are not going to be successful if there isn't that. You know, we use these teams as models all the time, coach, and people probably get annoyed by it. But look, it is what it is. The Warriors are what they are because there's trust within an organization. The Spurs have been what they've been for two and a half decades because of the trust built in that organization, right? When the best players allow and they trust that the GM and head coach know what they're doing or the GM and ownership know what they're doing. All right, man, I'm going to sit back and play because I trust you guys. Now, it's hard to earn somebody's trust for sure because, you know, we know what happens when, when trust is broken. And again, I'm not a psychologist. Who knows what in Kevin Durant's young life trust issues he has from people not coming through, delivering, what have you. I don't know. Could go back to, to Sam Presti when he traded James Harden away. Who the hell knows? But not being able to build and foster that trusting relationship is why this team is where it is right now. Well, and why he is where he is. And why he is where he is. Yeah, they, 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 there doesn't have to be. He, he, he could have chosen lots of different paths. Um, Steph Curry's chosen wisely. Mm -hmm. and, and I don't just mean team-wise. Uh, the way... Uh, he handles himself. Um, it, there's been controversy in his life, but mm -hmm. I think parents got divorced mm -hmm. publicly. Yep. Uh, um, is his daughter doing stuff? I don't mm -hmm. know. I don't know. I don't follow really anything off the court, but I hear things. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. I do pay attention to some degree. Um, and your Curry's just always there. It reminds me, you know, uh, 
it's easy to be polite. And I think Durant has been polite plenty of times as a teammate. I know from uh, helping guys that are on his team, they like him good. They like him a lot. He's a good guy. Um, there's another level to get to if you really want to start engendering trust, and that is you need to be kind. Mm-hmm. It's easy to be polite. I was talking to Travis, our editor, about this this morning. It's, it, 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 that's low-hanging fruit. Mm-hmm. If you want to get people to kind of believe in you and, and believe that you care about them, you got to be kind. Mm-hmm. You have to do – so what does that mean? Acts of kindness. Mm-hmm. Just being polite. Please, thank you, hold the door for them. That's any, – any five-year-old can do that. Mm-hmm. You've got to do acts of kindness. Uh, that, I think that's – Curry going to D.C. Mm-hmm. when – he knew Durant was gone. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It was an act of kindness. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It was to say, hey, man, I, I respect you enough mm-hmm. to still come see you, even though we're not going to be teammates anymore. Mm-hmm. And it, it breaks my heart. Mm-hmm. And we're not going to win a championship next year for sure, mm-hmm. either way, because of all the injuries. But we might have won later. Well, it turns out Curry still did. did. Durant has flipped it. And so, so what is the opposite of an act of kindness? It's an <laughs> act of meanness, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's, I don't think this guy deserves to coach us anymore. And I'm not going to stay here if he's there. How do you think Steve Nash woke up seeing that? <laughs> not great. And, and not to mention Sean Marks. And they're not perfect, but like, bro, this is, what are you doing? Like, this is my job. Mm-hmm. And it'd be one thing if they hurt him, if they right. declared war on him. I, I haven't seen any evidence, nor I, do I think I'll ever will see evidence right. of that. Right. And uh, it's, such a, it's such a shame. Um, uh. So not to, not to get into politics too much, although you and I see eye to eye. We're <laughs> brothers in most things. Um, the only person talking about the, the, the uh, search warrant in Florida <laughs> is the guy whose home it was. <laughs> the FBI isn't boasting about it. Right, right. The attorney general had not said one word about it. Right. They're, not, they're not trying to embarrass him. Had he not leaked it, there's a, there's a chance no one would even know. Right. They went there with the purpose. That's it. Uh, the, the only one's complaining loudly about what's happening in Brooklyn is Durant. Mm-hmm. If he had just said nothing from day one, mm-hmm. I think what you said already, they had decided to move on from Kyrie in terms of extension. Mm-hmm. But am I wrong to say he's still employed by the team? Yeah, he's got another year. He's got one year left right. the deal. So, so yeah. wave a magic wand, get a time machine, go back three months, and no one says anything to anyone about anything. Mm-hmm. And let's just see what happens. We all think Brooklyn's a very good playoff team. Yeah. Kyrie, KD, no more COVID issues, at least mm-hmm. not for rules, except mm-hmm. for in Toronto. Right. Um, we're we're going to be really good. Joe Harris mm-hmm. comes back. Yeah. Uh, Claxton's back. Mm-hmm. Ben, yeah, I'm sorry, of course. <laughs> we got Ben Simmons, who brings exactly what we need, exactly. really. Exactly. We don't that, need that's more it's scoring. That's so crazy. It, exa- right. He will let you guys do all the scoring you want. Yeah, he'll do all the rebounding, guarding. Like it, this is perfect for you. <laughs> yeah, and and you know, not that not that he and Sean Marion uh, are that much in common, but but they've got some things in common. Sean Marion, people thought about him. He was he had a weird three point shot. People think of him as a great shooter. I think thirty three percent was about yeah, the best he would shoot. Right. Thirty to thirty four. He wasn't ripping the nets down with his threes, but he was a do it all kind of guy. Ben Simmons has a lot of that in him and is a way better passer than Marion, better ball handler. They're, they're in our top four almost for sure. The only one bitching and complaining is the guy that's their best player. And just, you don't want to ever be compared to Donald Trump. <laughs> Never. 
And that's what it reminds me of. It's like, dude, just if you had just laid low this whole time, man, everyone think you're a top four team and you might very well be. And even if you wanted to do the trade, as you always say, you can make that demand privately. You don't need to. It doesn't you need should. to be leaked. You right? should. Like, yeah, it doesn't even need to be leaked. You can exert all the pressure you want privately without it coming out. Right. Like, yeah. it's it just, you know, it, I, it's a bizarre I, situation. Let me see if you recognize this. So having spent, you know, a lot of hours talking to players and being an angry 57-year-old, which I am sometimes, <laughs> we, everyone is capable of having a fuck everybody thought. Sure. I, 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 KD is there, mm-hmm. but he shouldn't be there. Yeah. I, I can see the mindset of, ah, fuck everybody. I, I, Kevin, like, no one's blaming you. We, we, you created the mess to some degree by asking for this guy, this guy, but we're still fine. Like, no one's thinking we can't win. Now, after this season's over, mm-hmm. it could be different if you guys lose in the first round again. Mm-hmm. Uh, but right now, people think you're good. Like, you should not be taking the approach of, man, fuck everybody. But, th- but that's what he's doing. Yeah. And, you know, it's one of those things where it's always like, you know, what occurred in, the, in you know, because everything was yeah. even after the, the, the loss. It was like, you know, we go back, we, we, we work on ourselves, our, our games in the offseason. We come back in training camp. We try to, you know. Everything seemed fine. So what the hell happened between the end of that Boston series and now, right? Some people are speculating like he's not that enamored with Ben Simmons. And okay, you can understand that. The guys haven't played ball in a year. You're not sure about his commitment to ball. I'm still convinced, even though he'll never admit it publicly, he was not in love with the Kyrie situation in terms of, look, man, I know you got beliefs about not wanting to take the backs. Get a damn shot. Get the damn shot. Like we're all here doing it. Right, so that in and out kind of thing, you know. Go back to the Ben Simmons thing, though. So, so I'm sorry, Kevin. You're you're one of the best players of all time. I think we all can agree. Mm-hmm. Top ten, mm-hmm. probably right there. Maybe not in accomplishments, right? But uh, of, as much as pure talent. Oh, well, not even close. Pure well, not even sure. close. Right, definitely top ten for that. Okay, but as a talent evaluator, <laughs> I'm not so impressed. Yeah, not great. Right, not like great. you chose DeAndre Jordan over Jared Allen, <laughs> right. so we're just going to let you have your opinion about Ben Simmons, <laughs> but we're not going to necessarily salute it just yet. You've <laughs> right. got a track record too, my man, <laughs> right? That, that is important. Yeah. You're yeah. an amazing player. You're a great teammate, blah, 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 but we are, we are not sure you are a good judge of talent. Just because you're a great player damn sure doesn't mean you are. I say this all the time. Uh, <laughs> There's a whole bunch of terrible teams that, that would be put together if other players were in charge of putting the team oh, together. Yeah. They don't know <laughs> shit about it. Yeah. They, you, just because you're great doesn't mean you know what great is. Correct. Correct. I guarantee you that. There is, that is an art and a talent also. So, Kevin, we're not convinced that you're good at recognizing mm-hmm. talent. We are convinced you're one of the best players of all time. We're just going to stick with the latter. Unless <laughs> you, you're welcome to have an opinion, but just understand we're not convinced you know what you're talking about with that. <laughs> So you need to respect us. It's not fair if we respect you and you don't respect us. Yeah. You chose us. Right. Correct. <laughs> like, so you must have thought we had some idea, right. and we do. And we're not sure that you're right about Ben Simmons. Let's I, play I, it out and see. I love that because that's you with your GM hat. You have a track record too, my friend. You thought right. DeAndre Jordan was better than Jared <laughs> right. Allen. Right. Uh, sorry. That's, an that's a swing and a miss. Right. F-. Guys get fired for that shit, man. <laughs> right. In fact, you want to fire the guy that did it, but he did it because you told him to. <laughs> exactly. Fire him for that more than anything. In fact, I would even argue. Nothing against Sean Marks at all. Right. But I would understand releasing him because he listened to Durant. I, the Nash thing I don't get. Yeah. Not, yeah. I didn't think Nash should have been hired. 
right. thought Jacques Vaughn proved right. he could really coach when he was with the Nets. He right. came around, and I thought um, Kenny Atkinson was great. Like, you're 0 for 2. Mm-hmm. So, but but I'm, I don't know if Nash is any good or not. I don't think he's terrible. Yeah, yeah. I, he, I wouldn't he, rate he's terrible at all. But you, but you, you have no idea because this is the guy you wanted. But it, it's, it's just, you know, players, you know, it's like what Henry was talking about with LeBron, right? LeBron never wants young teammates because they yeah. don't show up on time. Right. Yeah. And it's like Durant wants guys who know how to score and catch the ball. And it's like, okay, but th- that's not it. Like, there's so many other things. We talked about this with the, with, with the Golden State Warriors. They do not win that NBA championship. They don't beat Memphis without Kevon Looney. You yeah. ask the average NBA fan who watched the playoffs and finals where they would rank Looney in terms of most important player on the Warriors team. I bet most of them wouldn't even have him in the top five, and he's a starter. Yeah. Yeah. That- no, of course. It, there's a lot of little things it takes, you know, when you, um, when you, uh, I never played Jenga. I, I haven't played Tetris in a long time. <laughs> Fitting things together is an art. There's an art to it. Uh, personality is a big part of it. Really big part of it. Uh, I've said this long ago. One of the reasons, remember, every GM passed on Udonis Haslam in 2002 in the first round. Every GM passed on him in the second round. And then every GM passed on him again for not giving him a guaranteed deal. He had one camp offer, Seattle, no money. I had suggested to his agent, send him overseas because the other guy they invited to camp for one spot is Reggie Evans. And I said, remember Reggie Evans? Mm -hmm. And I said, I think that he might be better than UD right now at that role, which is defensive rebounding monster, Mm -hmm. nasty motherfucker. Mm -hmm. UD was kind of a scorer, not a shooter, but a scorer in Florida. I said, I think he needs to develop more, send him overseas. But I, I also said, oh, he's going to win a ton of games in the NBA if he gets a chance because he has no ego, and yet he's super confident. Big difference. Mm-hmm. So he, he knows he can score motherfuckers, but if he can't do it as efficiently as someone else, well, he just wants that guy to shoot. You, know, you, you can build championships with those guys. That's what Looney is. Mm-hmm. Come on, Looney was a top five player of his class. Mm-hmm. I forget what they were calling him. He had a great nickname. Oh, he was like Baby Durant, people were calling him when he was in high school. Baby KD. <laughs> yeah, That's it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. You would never guess that, the way he plays. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you can win with guys like that. And you need, you need guys like that. And uh, you need to respect guys like that. That's why I liked, going back a couple of years in 2019, guys like Iguodala and Curry and Green and Kerr referred to Looney as part of their core. Mm-hmm. When he was a distant starter, Cousins went down and they had just gotten rid of Bogut the year before. So um, he's much better now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Durant, I think Durant appreciates those kind of guys. But when you spend all your time blustering about this kind of stuff, you, all that stuff is lost. Yeah. All that opportunity is lost. And they're not, they're not working together as a team right now. No. There's other teams working as a team right now or will soon. I don't think they're doing anything. No, and it'll be interesting to see where where this all goes. I think ultimately, as we put a a bow on this, you know, if you're Joe Sy again, me, so this is non-KD fan. This is now Joe Sy. I'm the governor of the Nets. This is what I would do. (laughs) You can want and demand all you want. You are under contract for four more years, and you are 33 years old, going to be 34. We are not going to trade you unless we get exactly what we need and want back in return. You can bluster, you can bloviate, you can do all the things you want to do. Now, if you want to pull a pull a James Harden or hold out like Ben Simmons, knock yourself out, my friend, because all that's doing is tattering your reputation even more, right? And 
I'd much I'd feel much better about moving you now and not getting back a Rudy Gobert level haul, right? Or 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 letting you go and do that as opposed to a 38 when you ain't gonna be all NBA level by then anyway. So if we let you walk, I'd be I'd be happy to let you walk at 38, right? Because it's like fine, you're a free agent at the I don't care. Like you are not going to be who you are now at 38. So fine by me, right? That's I would literally dig my heels in the stand and play hardball right now. You and I would appeal to his love of the game. You love basketball too much. There is no way you're gonna sit out four seasons. You're just not gonna do that. So, you know, this is this is where we're at. What honestly what I would do is um is I would tell him he's never playing for the Brooklyn Nets again as long as I own the team. I, I would say you're never dressing, you're never going you're you are banned from our facility and if we'll 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 keep paying you. Sure. But uh you're done. And I would tell all 29 other teams, bring your offers, guys. Mm-hmm. The, the, best, the, the next best offer we get, he's gone. Now, you can decide whether or not he'll play for you. Right. We aren't worried about that anymore. But we're going to eat the salary. Yeah. We'll eat he's going to lose a season mm-hmm. it, it, unless we trade him. And he is, but he is never playing for us again. We are not putting up with this at all. And uh, I, I think you'll get great offers. I think when you rip the Band-Aid off, no more rumors. He's gone. He's never a Nets player again. He's banned from the, from the arena. We'd ban him from the city, but we're not allowed to do that in America. <laughs> <laughs> he is never stepping foot on the Nets in the Nets again. We'll never speak about him again until we announce the trade. But, so bring in your offers. Don't bring your offers. We no longer care. We're moving on. That's what I, that's what I would do. When you start calling for jobs, yeah. if, if, by the way, if it's true, right. to be fair, if it's true, but it probably is, but I, I would make sure that it's true. Mm-hmm. And then I would, I would never speak about him again after this announcement until I announced the trade. That's one step even harsher than me. I just said, we'll eat it. But you're like, ban him from the facilities. And, I just, and where, he's where are you going? Again. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to make Steve Nash have to address it. Uh, yeah. with, hey, Kevin, how was your summer? Like, awkward. <laughs> no, no. I just, you got to rip it off and move on. And I think you'll actually help your trade leverage. Yeah, a little bit like yeah. create the bidding war right now, guys. He's on the market now. Send us your stuff. You want to play hardball? Fine. Right. He may not be around by February. In fact, we argue probably won't be. Mm-hmm. Someone's going to pony up. Someone will. Yeah, that's, yeah. Actually, that's actually a good point, because the longer you wait on it, right, the older he gets and you're, yeah. you're, you're, you're missing a chance. So some team, you're right, will pony up if you do that. Yeah, I mean, if you, you're not going to get Scotty Barnes, Pascal Siakam, but you might get OG and or Fred Van Vliet and some picks mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and maybe Kim Birch is a backup center. Mm-hmm. And maybe Indiana comes in with, you know, some mm-hmm. guys like some younger guys. I don't know what Brooklyn wants to do, but they, they, they should not be in rebuild mode. Ben Simmons is young. They can't be uh, unless, they, Yeah, because they, and they have the, no picks, right? Houston owns so they could, they could they could start selling all their parts for picks and then they're mm-hmm. eight years, six years, five years away, whatever. Um I think they have enough players where they can be relevant in the playoffs. That's about it. Mm-hmm. And, and with Ben Simmons, who knows? I mean, I would really be focused on Steve Nash on turn Ben Simmons into our all-star again. Like, you get on Royal this. jelly. He needs yeah. all the royal jelly. Yeah, he sure does. But, yeah, I would, I would tell Kevin, and I would have no anger in my voice. I would just simply say we've made a decision as a staff. Uh, Kevin Durant is being traded. Uh, he will never get dressed. And uh, – Send us your offers, guys. I wouldn't put a deadline. I would say we're, we're happy to trade him as soon as possible because we, we respect him as a, as a player. We want him mm-hmm. to play for the NBA. Mm-hmm. It just won't be for us. So I don't know. We're not going to wait for the world's best deal. Send us your offers. Mm-hmm. And, and then you can be demanding of a better deal. Mm-hmm. Just say no. Mm-hmm. We got this offer. We want more. 
and I think you'll get a better deal. Yeah, no, I think you're right. Because from a locker room chemistry standpoint, you're probably right, right? Don't don't bring, <laughs> hey, Kevin, how was your summer, right? Like, you yeah. know, you don't want yeah. those conversations. Well, if that's the case, then Mark Sasha go even one step further. Same with Kyrie, right? Yeah, I totally Do, agree. You, you're in the last year anyway, so it's so it's it's going to be expiring money anyway. So yeah. right. I don't care. Like right. you, you, you don't show up either. Neither of you are showing up. Yeah. I, yes, and they'll be they'll be poorer, a bad team, but I bet the locker room will be much happier. It'll be nicer to come to work. And, yeah, and we've seen before teams in that situation play well. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, the Grizzlies without Morant were mm-hmm. really damn good, mm-hmm. and John and John's a great teammate. Mm-hmm. He wasn't a, he wasn't a poison. Mm-hmm. Guys can rally up, uh, but I think they'll respect. Hey, these guys are serious, mm-hmm. and you'll get a, you'll get good players for those guys. Oh, yeah, for you'll sure. add good players. You, you shouldn't add thirty year olds. Add some good 22 to 25 year olds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hell, may- maybe Memphis will get you Desmond Bain for Kevin Durant. All right, easy, easy. Don't be messing up. It won't just be Desmond Bain, but who knows what you'll get for him? Yeah, well, you'll have to probably trade Jaron, and I don't, I, 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 I'm, I, I'm not, listen, Katie's my guy. Everybody knows that, but you know, Jaron's 22. But, that, but that's my, I agree with you, but that's my point. Uh, but you, you know, you put, it's almost like uh, uh, Texas Hold'em. You're going all in with. So I'm trading him somewhere, guys. He's on the t- he's on the blocks. Um, you guys want him? What do you got? Yeah. Memphis may feel like, well, God, we're gonna we, we want him because mm-hmm. we can win a championship this year in oh, Memphis for sure. But but we just want to offer Desmond Bain. But ooh, they're gonna say no probably, and someone's gonna offer someone better. Maybe the Pelicans do Brandon Ingram. They're gonna so have we're gonna to have to go Jaron Jackson. Have to. So. So that's what you're hoping for if you're Brooklyn. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Is someone I wouldn't do it if I was them. Right. I wouldn't trade. I Jack and Squat. I'm saying the same thing. <laughs> I, I have. See, he would have to convince me. I'm never doing this again. Right. I'm right. never speaking out publicly again. I just want to. He always says, I "Just want to ball." Well, then just ball. Right. I don't yeah. mind you having input, Kevin. Right. But not a, they'll pull the rope against us. Yeah. Like, it's not tug of war. We're supposed <laughs> to be on the same side pulling against the other 29 teams, right? You're on the other team. You're pulling against us. How are we winning? So that's what I would do. I like it. I like it. I, I want to touch on your piece again, too. Uh, you know, the NBA should not be a, uh, a Game of Thrones, right? You win or you die. But that's kind of where we are. And it's, it's it, you know, it's, it, again, it's, it ties into this Durant discussion. But it's this sort of all or nothing investment into how the seasons play we we are on the record here true we think 82 games is way too many right as henry says the science is out we everyone we know who's who talks about this too long of a season how do we cut this how do we increase add humanity into the game and not just for the athletes for everybody right you and i next week by the way guys a little early early morning for you true will be closed next week uh our boss henry's on vacation David's got some travel plans going up. I'm going to recharge. Listen, as much as we love doing, and we love this stuff, we need a break too, right? It's just time to do other stuff. But I love that idea of injecting humanity into it. The coach just saying, oh, I'm going to my son's science fair tonight. So uh, assistant number two, you got the reins, right? I mean, it's, it's the funny thing is, it's to your point. It, it's, it's, the, it's the Twitter mob that will get angry, right? Oh my God, you get paid $8 billion. And it's like, so what? You you think Jamie Dimon doesn't take PTO? <laughs> he definitely does. Okay, yeah. those of you that don't know, that's the CEO JP Morgan. He yeah, exactly. definitely takes PTO. Yeah. Okay, yeah. like come on. Yeah. So, so to be fair, um, I, I am all for eighty-two games. I'm just not for the players playing eighty-two <laughs> yeah, games. Correct. So what I mean by that is, 
In baseball, pitchers pitch once every five days. Mm-hmm. Now, we can play more basketball than once every five days. Uh, I think we can easily, in 82 games, no one plays more than 58 or 62, whatever the science is. I'm all for that. And that's what we have a G League for. And that's what we have players 13, 14, 15 on our roster. Mm-hmm. Let's manage the roster better. But if to protect our players from their coaches and executives who won't do that, we need to shorten the season is my guess. Mm-hmm. Because I think that the perfect world is don't change a thing ex- except maybe legislate how many games a player can, how many mm-hmm. minutes a player can play in a week. Like, I'd love that. Mm-hmm. I think it'd be cool. Yeah. I think it'd be cool. I mean, every sport has rules that dictate strategy. In soccer, guy gets hurt. You can't take him out and put him back in. Mm-hmm. So now you got to play with 10. In baseball, once you sub a guy out, it can't come back in. You're right. So we could easily have a rules thing where imagine um, you're, you're, in, you're in the second overtime, but you got to sit Steph Curry because he's maxed out his minutes for the week. Mm-hmm. That'd be fun. Yeah. That's just part of the deal. Like, you got to pay attention to it. Yeah, the NBA, the league would have to be uh, cognizant of that. But I think we could do that. That being said, um, I really like the idea. I wrote about it I, just a little bit in the article. Um, a longtime friend of mine, one of the best coaches in, in the Florida, if not the country, for high school, named Mark Grissick, called me years ago, wanted to coach in high school. He had just moved to Gainesville from North Carolina where he played college ball. And at this point, he's probably in his 30s. And I said, you should go work for another buddy of mine named Mike DeLucas, who was coach at PK Young in Gainesville. He's a great guy. They immediately became best friends. Well, as my buddy Luke, who now he's Dr. DeLucas, um, I went to college with him. As he is, as his kids are aging, and his daughters are playing softball, and his son's a basketball player, whatever, he wants to see his kids more. And Mark has a son who ends up playing college basketball. And they kind of worked it out where, hey, you're going to take over tonight. And, and, then I'm, and then Mike's like, I'm, I'm going to leave because I'm going to go be a principal somewhere and just you run it full time. And they did it in the summertime too. And then uh, I mentored two guys locally. They both played for me years, many years ago, decades ago. And they run a very good postgrad program. I think they placed like 28 kids in college the last three years. Um, and they're co-head coaches because they, between them, they got five young kids. And so, you know what? One guy's exhausted. He's like, I'm just going to sit down. You coach the team today. Defense coordinator, you're now in charge. Next game, they switch it. It works out great. Players don't care. <laughs> no, and they're great coaches. They really are great, really great coaches. Uh, so, yeah, in the NBA, of course, the main guy is going to be coaching most of the time. I'm fine with that. But I, as I wrote, once a month, everyone should have a game off uh, on the coaching side, too. Go pick early the season, pick the date. Uh, anniversary, birthday, yeah. go fly to see your parents as they age, as you're for your mm-hmm. coach, your parents are older, if you're lucky enough to have them. Uh, or you find out your son, like, like we say, your daughter's got a science fair. Or your daughter's a cheerleader, it's a senior night, homecoming, and it's her last game of cheerleader, whatever, or middle school, whatever. If you're single, you just go do something else away from the game yeah. for a night. Right, like, right, of course, know? of course, of course, of course, yeah. Go, go, yeah. You're married enough to this game as a mm-hmm. coach and as an executive too. It's again, it's an act of kindness. It's a recognition of the humanity of it. And um, I put in the article, we actually added it late, where Horford was criticized just in 2016 for missing mm-hmm. a, a game to be with the birth of a child. And then when Derek White mm-hmm. missed it this year, Horford had his back. And guess what? Horford likes being in Boston. Yeah. But had the Celtics not given him 
the night off mm-hmm. to go see the birth of his child, he wouldn't be so excited about going back to Boston. He's been a very important player for them. For and sure. in fact, I think they're favored. They I are. think ESPN has him as the number one record wise. Yeah. Horford's a big part of that story. Vegas, Vegas, yeah. Vegas odds plus yeah. 450 to win. No, I, I love this, Coach. I think and it just it just makes sense, right? Because it's – look, guys, we know how fans feel about sports. But at the end of the day, it's a game. And it's a job to these people. Just like you need yeah. your week off to go do whatever. and fl- They need time off too, right? I mean, all oh, the offseason – they're working in the offseason, okay? It's not like they're just hanging out and doing nothing, right? They've got to stay in shape, work in their games, all that. It's a year-round thing for them as well. They may not be playing games – year-round NBA games, but they are working on themselves to make sure they're ready for the season. I think it's just an idea of bringing that into the consciousness. And what you wrote about in the piece is, not only is it antithetical to how athletes think, it's antithetical to American culture, which is, no, work harder, work harder to get what you want. And it's like, "Mm, is that necessarily the case? I had a conversation with Henry um, a few weeks back. We were talking about the Michael Jackson uh, documentary, This Is It, which is like the, the what they were recording yeah. when he's practicing in, in rehearsing in London. And everyone who knows anything about Michael Jackson knows like perfectionists when it comes to rehearsal. Like you're having people in that like, nope, missed the beat, back to the top. And I remember there was one particular scene in the movie where they're working on one of you starting something. And like, you know, the bass guy comes in, ah. bum 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 right? Love that and song. Michael, Michael just stopped, cut. And everybody's like, what's going on? And the bass, he's looking at the bases and he's like, did I? He's like, no, no, but it's like, but up, but up, you went, but, and I'm like, who even fucking heard that? That was, he heard it, right? Again, to the top, right? And I mean, he must have gone it 10 times in a row. And Henry is like, we were talking about Henry's like, the perfectionist, right? And when you are someone like Michael Jackson who can sing and dance as well as he could and all that, there is a way in which that is how your brain and how you operate to make things perfect. But for everyone else, it would be a better show if you just say, you know what? It's fine. We, we'll, 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 we're good, right? It, it would be a better experience. But because you cannot do that, that yeah. makes it much more difficult for everybody else, right? It's that same idea. It's not always work harder. Sometimes it's take your foot off the gas a bit, right? That will actually allow you to be better going forward. But it, our brains just can't comprehend that sometimes. Yeah, Samuel Jackson has a great uh, – uh, I think it was being interviewed by um... – I don't know, maybe Fallon or Kimmel. This was years ago. And uh, he's famous for never doing more than three takes. But by the way, this guy's been in a lot of movies. Mm, he has lot put a lot of hours of in. He was a late starter, but he's been in a lot. He's great. And uh, he said, hey, it's not like I'll, we'll never do more than three takes, but the director's going to have to really explain why I need a four take. I know I didn't mess up. <laughs> and um, the reality is probably uh, movies have never have rarely been impacted uh, the extra takes they did. They don't tend to find anything any better than what they had before. Uh, this, this is the science versus the art, and the artist wants more and more and more. Uh, the, the, um, the science is you're probably not going to have anything different than what you've already gotten. Typically, obviously, there's exceptions to everything, but um, you do have to think about everybody else. Yeah. You do have to think about how it's impacting everybody else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, something caught your attention on ESPN that made you laugh. <laughs> Why are experts picking James Harden to be an MVP candidate? Oh, that was funny. Yeah, I just, I, I, to me, he got in shape, and yet we still saw what we saw. He's really <laughs> incredible. One game in 10, two games in 10. Like, like, 
he was, I thought he was MVP three years in a row. He, he got one. Yeah. He was fucking unbelievable. Mm-hmm. This ain't that guy. Now, obviously, I could be wrong, but just because he's going to be in shape earlier, I don't think it matters nearly as much now. I think there's a wear and tear factor that we can't avoid. So I think the Sixers can be really good. I'm not suggesting they can't be. But the idea that, that he's going he's gonna to be back to what he was flies in the face of all the data that we have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not convinced he's going to no. be... I mean, I don't. Think, I don't have him as an All NBA player. This he's year. not even an All NBA player. I mean, he's at yeah. this stage, he's an All Star, which is fine. But yeah, yeah. it's great. That's yeah. not not those dudes. And by the way, ESPN put out their sort of panel of experts, the top ten MVP candidates, and this is who they have from ten to one: Anthony Davis and Devin Booker tied for ten, Carl Towns at nine, Tatum at seven, tied at seventh with Nikola Jokic, John Morant and Kawhi Leonard tied at fifth, Steph Curry at fourth. Embiid and Doncic tied for second, and Giannis Antetokounmpo coming in. Oh first. wow! Oh, um, they don't have they don't have my favorite in there. Who? Zion. Oh, they don't have Zion in there. Yeah, and I think a, a lot of people are like the whole like wait and see. We haven't seen him play in like a year, and you know, out of sight, out of mind. You know that it's like. Well, it, but your job is to project. I agree. Yeah, I, that dude is going to be. I mean, I can't predict injury. Right. But I heard he's healthy now. Assuming no uh, injury, he's going to be a monster. I think he's going to have fun, and they're going to be very good. Very, very good. Um, I like the Davis one. Mm-hmm. I like Anthony Davis in there. If he's healthy, because uh, he, he, he hears what everybody's saying about him, that he's like, you know, brickle, yeah. and He's going to be motivated. Yeah, whereas Harden doesn't matter so much. Right. He's older. Mm-hmm. I think Davis, and I think LA, I've told you, I think LA Lakers are going to mm-hmm. be 50 plus wins. And um, yeah, I think, I think AD, uh, I think Darvin Hand's going to be great. Great. I think Darvin Ham might win coach of the year. Yeah, he, he might. Uh, yeah, he's going to do really good. Interesting point of note, mostly 20-somethings, with the exception of Steph Curry, the only person in their 30s in the top five. Uh, and that's based off, of course, that phenomenal postseason he had. Right. Um, right. So the we know the COVID laws still reign true yeah. in Toronto. So Jalen Brown and all you anti-vaxxers in the NBA, you ain't going to be able to go play any games in Toronto. And if that's a playoff series and Toronto's going to be a playoff team again this year and better, that's that could decide a series. You know, like your inability well, not, to play. Right, but not only that, Gerard, it could decide the play, the actual playoff series itself. Yes, correct. If these laws continue, mm-hmm. I have no idea what's going to happen come April. But if indeed Canada is still locking that down in Toronto, mm-hmm. someone can't play those road games. That's a big deal. Sure. Yeah. Something to follow. Start. You're starting at an automatic disadvantage, right? You're adding a loss to the schedule when, you know. And again, you're like 82 games, but like when we start, when it starts constricting and you're like, okay, we win this game, we're in this spot, it, it right. matters, right? So right. That's, that's something to watch. Uh, before we go, we are, of course, a basketball show, but we watch sports and we follow sports. We would be remiss if we did not talk about uh, the greatest tennis player of all time, a woman on the short list for greatest athlete of all time. And I don't mean female athlete, I mean athlete, period, man Agreed. or woman on the short list. Um, Serena Williams announced, as she called it, I don't like the word retirement, her evolution away from the game of tennis. Um, she turns 41 in September, uh, September 29th, I think. Um, and so she said that this U.S. Open will be her final uh, Grand Slam tournament. And this is someone, she turned pro in 1995. Wow. Um, her first major title was in 1999 at the U.S. Open at 17 years old. 
um, her most recent one, 2017, at Australia when she was two months pregnant. <laughs> um, and, you know, she's been in Grand Slam finals since then, winning major tennis titles over the course of decades is incredible. 23 Grand Slam singles titles, uh, second most all time, the most of the open era, only one behind Marker Court. But as most people realize, Marker Court did not play in the open era, right? So that 24 record kind of meaningless. Like she's like, yeah, of course the number means something to me, but you know, I, I came up to my best 23 times. She's like, I could have done it 35 or 36, but <laughs> I didn't, you know, I, I did 23. Cause you know, she said I had my chances, right? Um, but what a legendary career, um, in a sport that did not want her and her sister to succeed, right? At every turn, the tennis establishment, you know, did all kinds of racist things, all all kinds of commentary and different things to show that they were not welcome. But the one thing that their dad, Richard told them was, well, when you win, they have no choice. They have to accept you, right? Because you're you're part of this history now and so whenever her run at the u.s open ends and i'm so excited that i'll be covering it this year um the entire tennis community and sports community you're gonna have to accept this woman as the greatest of all time and she's going to get her flowers and her ovations and everything for a for a well-deserved career so i'll tell you two things i I, well I, i stopped following tennis long ago i just isn't time i used to watch it religiously i certainly know enough uh, I watched King Richard the other day, the last maybe hour, fucking cried my eyes out. When she walks <laughs> that, out of that the sounds stadium, like you. <laughs> when she walked out of the stadium, I, I don't I didn't know. I don't know what the truth is. Cried my eyes out. Um I, I just I know how I, I think I know how hard it must be to be anyone and be the best in the world. To know that what this guy did for his daughters, to, you know, at the, the the language they speak, I think I've told you before. Uh, they, they have, they, when they go get MRIs, they used to anyway, go to my brother's mm-hmm. facility in Miami. And I, I met Venus there once, just the sweetest, nicest, most professional athletes that walk into this place, at least used to be anyway. Um, I, I want someone to write a musical about her. Like, <laughs> I don't want her to be dead 150 years before like Hamilton was for 200 years. This woman deserves like every kind of medium possible to celebrate mm-hmm. with her and her sister, quite frankly. How many, how many majors did Venus win? Eight or nine. So that's mm-hmm. incredible. She was unbelievable. Mm-hmm. But, but that's because Serena beat her a bunch of times, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that didn't help. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, it, we, I mean, movies, Broadway shows, like, uh, there's just what, what she's done is just so incredible. And I agree with how you put it. One of the best athletes of all time, it's regardless of, of gender. Um, her accomplishments are, yeah, second to none. Yeah. Yeah. They, they speak she, for themselves. And there are still dudes that think they could beat her probably. Oh, you know, it's, it's all, all these silly things that like, you know, how many, how, honestly, tell me, you follow more than me. How many men on the planet right now at right now at her age mm-hmm. could beat her in tennis? So we're we talking about like professional men on the ATP tour or just weekend oh, yeah, warrior so, men tennis players? No, no, no. Any, just, that's my point. Uh-oh. So any, can any college men beat her? Do you think? 
maybe because they're younger, 20, right, 21, right. right? Forget like, about when she was in her prime. Oh, she's 41. No. Yeah, yeah. She's 41 years old. So, yeah. Right. Sure. So, we're talking, we're still hundreds? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, not yeah. thousands. No, 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 no. Yeah. She's, at 41 years of age, right. I know how old that is. <laughs> My kids were five when I was 41. It's fucking old. No, no. It's it's just, again, it's it's people who constantly have to find ways to, like, denigrate. You can't go over the grades of all time because she couldn't beat men. It's like, why are we, why are we talking? So uh, what what are they famous for? I saw in the movie that he wanted them square, not sideways. Richard did. I don't know mm-hmm. if you ever saw the movie. Mm-mm, I never saw but, the movie. Yeah, so maybe maybe see it before you cover it for the U.S. Mm-hmm. Open. Um, because you're, I, I learned under a very famous uh, British instructor because he, he, he was summer where I grew up in St. Pete. Um, uh, you're supposed to turn sideways as you hit, and they stayed open, which is something mm-hmm. it seems actually normal to me. Yeah. But I, 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 are you aware of any other innovations besides just pure power and speed? Yeah. So that was that's what that's the big thing that Richard uh, wanted to introduce into the game, right? And I'm getting to remember this. Richard, it wasn't a ten, he had no tennis training. Yeah. Like he wasn't like he just saw some videos on DVDs and was like, "Cool, I'm gonna create two number one world tennis." It's like what? Yeah. Who, who has that kind of? But you know, cra- crazy, crazy people do that. Yeah. And. And yeah, for him, it was, we got to introduce power and athleticism into this game. It's like at, at the current game, the women's women, when they were coming up, the hardest hitters were Monica Sellis, Steffi started right. to hit it pretty hard. But for the most part, you know, it was still very much not the power game. And Tactics and craft. Yeah. yeah. Martina, yeah. Martina was the first big hitter, mm-hmm. big hitter. on the mm-hmm. female tour mm-hmm. that I can remember. Yep. Chris Everett was more tactical. Mm-hmm. Much more By the way, that's a great, that's a great 30 for 30. Oh yeah. That's my favorite. Chrissy and Martina. My oh, favorite so one. Good. So good. my favorite 30, 30 ever is those two. As competitive as competitive as women, oh as competitive as people as you could ever find, and the best friends, and, <laughs> and yet just graceful and classy. Like you can do both. You can. They want to kill each other on of the course. course, and that's yeah, fine. But they did it with grace and class. It's just a game. It's, it's not war. At the end right. of the day, it is a game, and that's the thing about it. So yes, you mentioned the power thing, but that's the part about specifically. I mean, both their games, but as Serena being the, the first player of all time, that people only lately, the last ten years, have started to give her credit for. It wasn't always power. Her tactical game is fantastic. Oh, sh- I mean, yeah. Right? Like, you don't it's like win saying Tiger. Games, right. <laughs> it's like saying Tiger only wins because he's a big hitter. Right. Come on. That's not right. Like, like you, you don't yeah, win the that The game many. is way too hard for that. <laughs> way you have too to hard. have everything. Yeah. That's, the point is, she can still beat you with tactics, <laughs> right. and she has the power. Exactly. It's hard to be that good with that kind of speed and mm-hmm. power because you tend to make more mistakes. Yeah, for sure. So she was able to do both. That's why she was the best of all time. No doubt. So anyway... Congrats on a wonderful career to Serena Williams. And thank you all for listening to us. Uh, Again, reminder, we are off next week. No podcast. I know you'll be sad, but don't worry. We'll be back with my friend Shannon Sterone, space writer. Um, Look out for uh, for that. That's going to be the Monday we're back. And I think uh, Victoria Jackson, who is a history professor at Arizona State, will join us. Uh, The history of race and sports and Title IX and all these great. She's wonderful. You guys will really enjoy those conversations. So we're looking forward to that. Everybody take care. We'll see you soon.